Season 3, Episode 3 of Viking Story. This is an accompanying podcast for a novel that I've written, which is set in the Viking Age. My name, of course, is Alan Laycock Fuchs, and today we are looking at the day of the week known as Wednesday. Now, this association might seem at first a little strange, but Wednesday is associated with Odin. And you might wonder, whoa, wait, whoa. <laughs> Odin's, day? Odin's Day? How does this become Wednesday? But it becomes... A little bit clearer when you know that the Germanic name for Odin in what is now sort of modern-day Germany and sort of the Germanic kingdoms in, in continental Europe, he was known as Woden. So Woden's Day, Woden's Day, Woden's Day, you can see how that clearly becomes Wednesday over time. So yeah, today we are going to talk about Odin. And I have a funny feeling that a lot of these Norse god episodes, because I am just you know, scraping the surface here. I'm not doing an in-depth uh, look at each god and goddess, but uh, I have a feeling that they're going to be short episodes. But the one exception might be today's episode with Odin, because, uh, you know, where do you begin with Odin? There's so much, and even if you just try to do a cursory sort of recap of the main points, it's still quite a lot to grasp with, with Odin. So we'll start with the etymology behind the name Odin, and what... Linguistics can tell us is that the name dates back to at least 3000 BC, or as we would call it in academia these days, 3000 BCE, uh, just in case you're not religious and you don't want to use the birth of Christ as your time frame reference, even though that's exactly what we're doing anyways. But yeah, obviously the name dates back millennia into, into history, and all throughout this period, there have been human and animal sacrifices made to Odin, and etymologically, the name sort of means crazy or insane or madness, and also sort of a, a responsibility or leadership of the possessed. So there's sort of an association here with berserkers, and I've talked about berserkers before, but just to recap, these were the warriors quite often sent into battle first. They were battle-hungry. But what was unique about them was that they wore very little armor. Their strength was just in their wildness, their fierceness. And yeah, they were like animals. Often they wore bear skins. So this is where the name Berserker comes from as well. They, they wear bear skins. They were, they were really not just animalistic, but sort of they invoked animal spirits, I guess you could say. And very wild, very unpredictable, very difficult to fight against because they were more erratic and a little bit more nonsensical, I suppose, in their tactics and their strategies and their, their attacks. Um, and it was also just terrifying, frightening to see people coming at you full force, not afraid to die, not wearing any armor, not afraid of battle at all. Like This was quite, uh, quite jarring, I, I would assume, if you were going up against a berserker. So that's sort of the... the etymology behind the name, but this is the kind of thing that really, I've always loved linguistics and the study of language, and one of my favorite stories 
it's about something called a skerta, and and this is what linguistics call a doublet. So it's it's when you have two different names for the same thing, but the two names have the same history. They come from the same source, and this is a story with skerta, and I think it kind of mirrors the migration of the ancestors of the Vikings. So we start off in sort of, yeah, continental Europe, modern-day Germany, area-ish, and we've got this this name called a skirta, and this was like a tunic. It was a, an article of clothing that these people would have worn millennia ago, thousands of years ago. But, yeah, think of it as a as sort of a tunic from your head to your toes, almost. It was held together with a belt, but otherwise it was a full outfit from, from sort of your neck down to your knees or ankles. And there were some Germanic people that moved north, and either they went sort of through modern-day sort of Russia and Finland and, and ended up in, in modern-day Scandinavia, or maybe they took some ships just across the, the sea there. But yeah, they migrated north, and there were other Germanic people that stayed in this area of continental Europe, but eventually they would cross the sea and sort of migrate towards England and the UK. So you had people coming from continental Europe from sort of the south invading England and migrating there. You also had sort of the Scandinavian people in the north coming down to England and Scotland and, and Ireland and the entire UK. Not that Ireland is part of the UK, unless you're talking about Northern Ireland. Just uh, don't want to offend anyone. But yeah, what's interesting for me is that they still had the same language. These were essentially the same people, just coming from two different directions who were reconverging. They were meeting again for the first time in the United Kingdom. And they both had the same word for this outfit, but it had evolved and changed over time. So the people coming from the south... Instead of calling it a skerta, now they called it a skert. And the people coming from the north, instead of a skerta, they called it now more of a shirt. And it was just a linguistic difference. It evolved differently over time. And eventually this article of clothing, anyways, uh, that was held together at the waist with a belt, kind of separated into two articles of clothing. And the top part became known as a shirt. And the bottom part became known as a skirt. And that was the distinction that made sense after time. But it's just one of those stories that I love about how language evolves over time and how we get Woden's Day and we get Wednesday from that. We get shirt and skirt essentially from the same source. And this kind of thing really appeals to me. I don't know. I love it. But um, yeah, to get back to Odin, again, where do you begin with, with Odin? Well, I thought that this could be a good opportunity to actually present his entire life story, sort of do a biography of Odin, because he's one of the few characters or gods or goddesses that we, we actually know their entire life story from beginning to end. So I, I kind of was surprised that nobody had ever attempted this before, but now I kind of see, as I've attempted it myself, why it's difficult. But yeah, to, to try to do it, to try to give you a a sense of his entire life or, or, you know, as best we can. Uh, we know that he was born to Burr and Bestla. So these were Odin's parents. And he has two brothers named Vili and V. So 
So that's sort of his immediate family. His grandfather was named Buri, and he was the one who was licked from the ice by the proto-cow, Althumbla. And his other grandfather is named Bulthor, and he was a Jotun. So this is his ancestry. This is where he's, he's coming from. And we know that he ended up killing Ymir, the sort of proto-Jotun. But he didn't kill him alone. He killed him with his brothers, Vili and V. So if we're assuming, you know, a couple years difference between births, and Odin was the first one, maybe he'd be roughly six, seven, eight years old when he killed Ymir. This is his childhood. I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into this. But yeah, this is where I start to lose the, the story a little bit. It's hard to place actual events from Odin's life on sort of a, a realistic time frame. But this is where he where he was born from. And I always found it interesting that when we think of Odin as well, we think of him as an old man, usually, with long gray beard. We don't really think of him in his youth at all. I just wonder why that is. We always think of you know Thor in his youth, but, but never really Odin. And I, I think my personal opinion is that he's very much associated with with knowledge. And I think just in society, we sort of associate older people with having more knowledge. So maybe it comes from that. But to get back to Odin's life, so he marries Frigg, the goddess Frigg. He has a number of sons, just to give you some examples, Baldr, Vali, Vida, Thor, and probably many others as well. We've lost some of the sources that identify which sons belong to Odin and which ones not, but it's safe to say that Odin was quite promiscuous. He is the all-father because he's sort of the leader of the gods, but he's also literally the father of many of the gods. So that's Odin's life. And as I said, he's, he's associated with knowledge, and just during his life, he just has this insatiable thirst for knowledge. He always wants more. And this is sort of what drives him. So at one point, he hangs himself from, from the tree Yggdrasil, to learn written language and the power of the runes. And if you think about it, written language is quite powerful. So there's almost, you could almost think that there's a magic to it because if you don't know written language and you tell someone something and then they don't tell anyone else, but they write it down and show it to someone else. And now that person knows as well. Like that's, that's magic. That's how, how, how did that happen? So there is, there is this, um, you know, sort of association with magic when it comes to learning the power of the runes, the written language. But yeah, according to the sagas and the poems, the information that comes down to us, he, he hangs himself from the tree, from Yggdrasil, for nine days and just sort of, yeah, probably goes into a, a, a state of hallucination somewhat. But through this self-sacrifice, learns knowledge, learns the, the power of written language. He also sacrifices his own eye for knowledge, so that's why he only has one eye. And just a quick tidbit of information from the archaeological perspective. What we find in the archaeological record, which I always think is really neat, uh, we find little statues of Odin from Viking sites, but he's never the statues never have just one eye. They always have two eyes, and then one is punched out, because Odin didn't have one eye he had two eyes and then he lost one i just think that's really neat that that usually he's depicted in this way of, of having two eyes and then he loses one rather than just you know making him with only one eye because the sacrifice there is is 
noteworthy. He's also associated with something called a valken, which is like uh, it's like three triangles together. If you've ever if you follow soccer or football, the German national team have something similar to a valknut, which is yeah three triangles. But yeah, he's not. You don't see this very often in the archaeological record because um, Odin was more god for the elite. He's very much sort of yeah a god. The elite members of society would would turn to for yeah for war. We all know about well Valhut, uh, which is often anglicized as Valhalla. So he takes half of the warriors who die in battle, the the, the worthy ones, and he takes them to Valhut. And there he's got his warriors known as the Einheyar, and they feast and they prepare for Ragnarok. Odin also has his own hall. It's called. Valskalf, uh, <laughs> and in this hall he's got a high seat called Hlidskjalf, and from this high seat he can see everything. So this is just a sense of Odin is all-knowing, he's got a view over the entire world, all the worlds, he can see everything, he knows everything. We know a lot of Odin from a poem called Halvamal, and I'm just going to do a quick shout-out here for an app. Now, now it's bad of me. I don't remember exactly what the app is called, but if you search for Wisdom from Odin, there's this app, and I'm not associated with them in any way. They're getting a free plug from me here. But basically, every day you get a stanza from this poem, from Havamal. And this is a poem where it's it's basically just Odin giving advice. So every day you get a piece of advice from Odin. And the nerdy side of me really likes getting a, a message every day saying, ah, you, you've, you've got a message from Odin. And the funny thing is there's some glitches, I think, in this app because it doesn't always notify me every day that I've got a message, but that kind of makes it a little bit more real as well. It's like, you know, once in a while I get a message from Odin instead of, you know, regularly every day at 10 p.m. Or, or whatever. And the thing I like about this, though, is you can read Halvamal. You can you can get the whole thing. You can read the whole thing in one one sitting, basically, if you want, or one day. But what I like about this app is that it just gives you one random stanza every day, uh, but you can save them, the ones you like. And But what I like is that you only get one a day, so you really end up digesting that one paragraph, more so than you would if you were reading the whole poem at once, because you would read, obviously, you'd read a paragraph and you'd digest it and you'd think, oh, that's cool. But then you'd move on very quickly. Whereas with this app, it, it really forces you to think about it for basically a whole day and uh you'll probably come back to it later in the day and, and think yeah oh, let me read that again that was really interesting so it stays with you more and i feel, I feel like it's a more i don't know holistic way somehow to digest the the howl poem so fortunately i don't remember the name of this app but uh if you search for it on uh on your devices i'm sure you'll find it but yeah the image for the app is also the valknut from from odin so these three triangles connected together the death of Odin is perhaps interesting as well, so spoiler alert, but he dies from the wolf Fenrir. So this wolf ends up killing him, and his son Vidar avenges Odin's death. So in this way, we sort of got the, the entire life story of Odin, but yeah, it's a little bit difficult to place on an actual timeline. As I said, when we think of Odin, we think of him as sort of older, with a long gray beard, sometimes with... Uh, with a cloak and maybe a hat. He often walks among 
everyday people, but in disguise. Uh, so this is perhaps why he's always sort of associated with a cloak. Obviously, he has one eye, as I mentioned before. He's also associated with the weapon, the spear. And often uh, a spear will be thrown. It'll be the first thing, kind of like a javelin thrown in battle towards the enemy to sort of invoke Odin and you know, make him aware of the battle taking place, get him on your side. He's also associated with uh, ravens. He has two ravens that he always keeps sort of nearby him on his shoulders or resting on his chair on either side of him. One of these ravens is called Hygen, which sort of translates into thought, and the other is Munin, <laughs> easy for me to say, which translates into knowledge. So he's got these two ravens called thought and knowledge, and these ravens, every day, they fly around all the worlds, and they they hear all the information, they gather all the stories, and they report back to Odin every night. So this is another way that he can gather information and another sign that he's all-knowing and that he's just you know, very knowledgeable and knows about everything and knows what's going on everywhere pretty much at all times. He also has two wolves. One is named Geri, which sort of translates into greedy, and the other is Freki, which sort of translates into ravenous. And uh, Odin gives all of his food to these wolves, and he sustains himself just on wine alone. That is both food and drink to Odin. And yeah, the wolves and the ravens, uh, they feed on corpses after battle. So again, we're associating Odin with the fallen dead, with battle, with war. And of course, these are, this, these are topics that basically would involve the elite, at least when it comes into uh, strategic planning of battles and wars and your legacy from them. So this is again why the elite were, were very much sacrificing to Odin, whereas uh, everyday people were were actually more more engaged with, with Thor, but that's uh, something we'll talk about in a future episode. The last thing I'll say about Odin is that he's also associated with a horse. The horse is named Slepnir, and this is an eight-legged horse that he can ride, and the idea is that with eight legs instead of four, it goes twice as fast as a normal horse, so this can also transport him around the world or around the worlds uh, at a very quick rate. So you get all these associations, all these allusions to Odin being knowledgeable and just having knowledge and being aware of everything going on at all times. And he's got these different methods to do that. He's got his high seat, he's got his ravens, he's got Slepnir, his horse, and he's just also made these personal sacrifices uh, of his own to gain knowledge as well. So he's very much associated with both knowledge and with war and death, I would say. But I think that's where I will leave it today. I've tried to touch on as many things as, as possible when it comes to Odin, but it's definitely, I mean, you could do a whole season on Odin if you really wanted to. But for just a single episode, I think this is a good place to end. If you are a fan, if you're an agent, if you're a publisher, I'd love to hear from you. You can always reach me at vikingstoryfaq at outlook.com. Again, that's vikingstoryfaq. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you're enjoying the season so far. And, of course... Q Thor's Thunder.